The following message is brought to you by Baltimore Bible Church. For more information about this ministry, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. So now let's open our Bibles and follow along as we loose the scriptures and let them speak. Well, today in uh, God's providence, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we uh, have the privilege of having two of our missionaries uh, here uh, with us. Uh, we'll introduce uh, more formally Stephen Reisman a little later on, but uh, we have the joy of having uh, Willie Destin uh, here with us today, and it's uh, been a while, brother, uh, since you've uh, been at Baltimore Bible Church, and we're very grateful uh, that you could be here uh, with us uh, today. Willie and his wife uh, Nicole serve in uh, Haiti, which is a, a difficult uh, place to, uh, to minister, a difficult country uh, to minister in, uh, but uh, by God's grace, he's been able to uh, uh, persevere there in ministry and really see the, the Lord um, build up uh, the, the, uh, the Bible Institute of uh, Grand Guave, as well as um, being able to uh, uh, develop relationships with uh, national uh, pastors and church uh, leaders in, uh, in a, uh, an effort of training them to rightly divide the, the word of truth as well as uh, working in uh, a local church uh, ministry as well. Uh, his daughters are here with them uh, as well, uh, uh, Gabrielle and Abigail. Uh, so very grateful for them being here uh, with us uh, today. We can uh, go ahead and... Uh... I first met Willio uh, during my time at the Master's uh, Seminary, and one thing that I can say about this brother is that he was always joyful. Uh, every time I saw him, in a, whether it's in a class, a difficult class, or you know, the circumstances of life, I've always known this brother uh, to be joyful, and uh, he's really been an example uh, to me of, uh, of, uh, of really submitting to the Lord's will for, for his life. Uh, I remember uh, he told the story about uh, when he uh, first uh, uh, started thinking about doing a ministry, doing missions ministry in, in Haiti after listening to a message that one of our professors gave. On, uh, on missions and uh, really start thinking about uh, the way that the Lord has equipped him being from Haiti originally and already able to uh, converse in the language and just like well why not I mean if there's a need you know why not me and uh, the Lord has uh, picked him up and uh, used him uh, just faithfully in ministry there so uh, come on up and minister the word of God to us brother grace to you and peace of God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ Pastor George talks about a joyful Willio. Uh, we, uh, we just drove from uh, Arlington, Virginia, and uh, I was blessed to be with my other brother, George, George, George Pearson, and it was a privilege to preach for him this morning, and knowing that we had to make it here at 2 p.m. So, they had a little luncheon, and I told my, my girls that they could go, but I was like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, because we have to go. And then uh, the girls came back, where's your mother? <laughs> so <laughs> I said, Gabby, go, go get mommy. And, Guy and, and Nicole comes back, and she said, Gabby walked in and said, they call me Poppy. Poppy's really mad. He's angry. <laughs> To everyone whom I just preached to. <laughs> the Lord keeps us humble. The Lord keeps us humble. Well, praise be to our God. Uh, grab, grab God's word and let's look to Matthew. Matthew's gospel. Wonderful gospel. I've been uh, in our local church. I've been teaching through it and Bible study and 
preaching through it periodically. Uh, so great, great biography, the first biography of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 8. Verses 18 to 22. Matthew 8, verses 18 to 22. If you're there, say amen. amen. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. The word of God for the people of God. May God be glorified. May we be edified. No sacrifice too great. There is no sacrifice too great. What do you do when you come to Baltimore Bible Church and you guys are near the state capitol? You start off your introduction politically. That's what you do. Okay. I'm going to go for it. And my wife is praying. <laughs> December 3, 2000, I was a senior in high school. Vice President Al Gore was presiding over the certification of the Electoral College vote and the 2000 election when Sister Maxine Waters stood up an objection calling the Florida Electoral votes fraudulent. A vice president asked if the objection was in writing and signed by a member of the House and a senator. Maxine Waters replied, the objection, the objection is in writing and I don't care that it is not signed by a member of the Senate. Al Gore responded, the rules do care. Now take this from an immigrant. I moved, we moved to Boston, Massachusetts, I was nine. And all of Haiti's history, we've seen coups after coups. And Haiti has rarely witnessed a solid transfer of power from one president to the next. At 19 years of age, after witnessing that, I was talking with a fellow Haitian immigrant and said, boy, could you imagine this happening in our country? Could you imagine a... a he would be a prime minister who actually ran for office and lost. And for him to get someone from his own party to say, it doesn't count, let's do it over. 
And then for him to point to the rules and to say that the rules do matter and that this man just overlooked his desire to and need and want to be president but considered his country first. I, I don't know what political stance you have, but just from the eyes of an immigrant, that was a huge statement. That was something that I just envied for my country, that we would have leaders who would value their country more than their personal gains. All this was by way of introduction, not to trip anyone up. And I hope I didn't lose anyone thinking like, does he support Al Gore? No. <laughs> it's all by way of introduction, just to show that there is no sacrifice too, too great. And that's what I want us to see in our text as we enter Matthew 18 verses, uh, as we enter Matthew 8, pardon me, verses 18 to 22. I, I preach through Matthew 1 through 7 and taught through a Bible study. And chapters 5, 6, and 7, verse 28 in chapter 7 ends like this. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So in chapter, chapters 5, 6, and 7, Matthew highlights the authority of Jesus and his teachings. In chapters 8 and 9, I think Matthew highlights the authority of Jesus as seen in his actions. So in chapters 8 through 9, Matthew wants us to see that Jesus has divine authority through his actions. He wants us to see that Jesus also cares for the vulnerable through his actions. And he wants us to see that Jesus must be believed. And lastly, and this is where we'll be in our section, he wants us to see that Jesus requires much from his disciples. Jesus requires much from his disciples. So here in verse 18 in chapter 8, we're entering the school of discipleship. And who is our teacher? The master himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verses 18 to 22 shows us four essential truths concerning Christ-centered discipleship. Four essential, essential truths concerning Christ-centered discipleship. Number one, we will see that quality is better than quantity. That Jesus, as he's leading his disciples, he wants them to know that he wants quality. Not that quantity is a bad thing. I mean, our, our stories intertwined. We're the very first missionaries uh, that I believe uh, Baltimore Bible Church supported. And 
our sending church started supporting us before we arrived in Haiti. And so did you. So you're celebrating your 10th year anniversary and we're just preparing to celebrate our 10 years in Haiti. One year before we, we left, you guys started supporting us. So happy birthday to you all. <laughs> and you, you showed us that what you valued in your missionaries, it was quality, not quantity. The way that I know that is the amount that you guys gave monthly. I was like, this is a small church. This is a small church plant. How are, how are they able to support us with this amount? I think it's, I think it's because you guys do quality better than quantity. And from 10 years, I mean, look at the quantity and quality as well. Praise be to God. So we'll see that quality is better than quantity. We will see that the call for sacrifice is for all followers of Christ. The call for sacrifice is not just for Pastor George. It's not just for missionary Willie O'Destin. That the call for sacrifice is for everyone who desires to follow Christ. Third, we will highlight that Christ is the model disciple. That if you're looking for an example, who can I, follow, who can I look to to be the best disciple that I can be for the Lord? You won't have to look no further than Christ himself. Lastly, we will highlight that Christ-centered discipleship prioritize the spiritual over the physical. That Christ, when it comes to discipleship, the spiritual is always of greater importance than the physical. So number one, quality is better than quantity. I want to show this point in, in three Three ways. The first one is if we consider the implication of the, the, of the term disciple, its meaning and implication. Second, I want us to see how, how Matthew uses the term teacher. And third, we'll just consider Jesus' response to these two would-be disciples. First, the term disciple, Mathetes. It means a follower, often a disciple who is a believer and a close follower of Jesus Christ. Though other less committed relationships are indicated. So that is to say, not everyone whom is called a disciple in Matthew's gospel are actually Genuine believers and close followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, we see in verse 19, the scribe comes and says, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And we see it in verse 21, another of the disciples. Both are called disciples. But from the text, 
neither are actually true followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see it? So quality is better than quantity, and you need to examine yourself and think, what kind of a disciple am I? Am I the ones who's just in the crowd and coming to church Sunday after Sunday and listening to Pastor George exposit the text? Am I just part of the quantity? Or am I a quality disciple? And that's who Jesus wants. He wants quality. Second, we can see that Christ wants quality in, dis in discipleship. If we see how Matthew consider those who call Jesus teacher throughout his gospel. The scribe comes up, what does he say? Teacher. And let us look at a few other people in Matthew's gospel who call Jesus teacher. Matthew 12, verse 38. Matthew 12, verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Now, they're not asking because they want to believe and trust Jesus Christ. They're asking because they want to trip him up. Let's look at another example. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life. Once again, that's not an example of a genuinely converted believer. And Matthew does this throughout his gospel, showing us people who again and again called the Lord Jesus Christ teacher and whom the crowds would probably identify as a disciple, as a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. But they're not. Jesus is looking for quality. He's not looking for quantity. Do you call him teacher? Do you admire his teaching and think that Jesus Christ was a great philosopher? Or is he more to you? He has to be more to you if you are indeed a quality disciple. The clearest way that we can see that Jesus wants quality over quantity is his response to these two would-be disciples. Master, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus doesn't say, yes, come, follow me. I'll be so happy to have you. We want you. Join the group. Join the crew. Be part of the team. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. No, Jesus says, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another one says, Lord, I want to follow you, but let me go bury my father first. But Jesus said, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. I was teaching this at Bible study, Calvary. Baptist Church, 
And a young man said, man, that Jesus, he's discouraging the people. Because Christ wants quality. He doesn't want quantity per se. Not that quantity is a bad thing. He wants those who desire to follow him to really count the cost and to give a resounding yes answer. Jesus is worth it all. Christ wants quality, not quantity. Number two, a call for sacrifice is for all followers of Christ. Now, if we look at the text, when we're talking about sacrifice, it's not necessarily the way most of you are probably thinking about sacrifice. You're probably thinking about me and Nicole living in a hut and Grand Guave and having very little food and, um, and living in fear every day. And then he's just like, oh, we need to pray for these poor missionaries. They were sacrificing and giving everything for the Lord. Uh, may, that, that may be true for some. Okay? That may be true for some. However, you look at the text, what Christ is asking these would-be followers to consider or to basically give up, not necessarily bad things. Not necessarily bad things. So, so I want you not to think that, well, sacrifice means that I'm only giving up something that is bad, okay, for the Lord. It could be something that is good and worthwhile. And the Lord could be saying to you, I want that. Follow me. Will you say, Lord, that's a sacrifice. That's just too great. Our church, the Christian church, biblically, you know, we have the titles. We can see missionaries, evangelists, pastors, and deacons. And at times... The church may think that these are the only ones whom God is calling to actually offer their lives as a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1, that's, that's my life verse. And Romans 12.1 comes at the hill of chapters 1 through 11. It's as if Paul is saying, if, if you've listened to this gospel message, the way that I've detailed it out, if you truly understand it, the only answer, the only way to respond is to offer your life as a living sacrifice. So that's a call for every single Christian, not just for pastors. So let's see this point in our text. Uh, it's the first, the first would-be disciple. Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now this is a scribe. Uh, this this is a learned man. This is, this is a theologian. This is a rabbi. Uh, this is someone who would be sociologically like on the upper launch of things. Uh, this is someone that would walk by and the people would uh, respect. 
And this is someone most likely who is used to the finer things of life. There's a scribe. This is not a poor man. This is someone that uh, the Jewish Christians would value, would treat well. As as if Jesus is saying, now it seems that you, you're used to the finer things of life. But understand this. The foxes have holes. The birds of the air have nets. But me, the son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head. Now, if you have nowhere to lay your head, will you follow me? Since you're used to the finer things of life. Jesus is not a respecter of persons when it comes to discipleship. And you see that. I mean, could you imagine, like, say, Dr. John MacArthur came up to me and said, Hey, Willio, I want to come to Haiti with you, man. I want to do a pastor's conference and, and uh, help train the guys. I just turned around and looked at Pastor John, Dr. MacArthur, and say, Sir, foxes have holes. <laughs> and say, sir, we're not going to pick you up in a limo. Uh, we may pick you up in what we call a tap-tap, where you have to sit on the back on a hard bench, and it may be a three-hour ride, and you may not be able to drink the water until you get to my house because the water is not treated. And when you get to my house, you may not like the food because we may have just slaughtered a goat. Have you ever had goat? That's the picture. This is a well-to-do theologian, respected, and Jesus is not saying, please join my team. Jesus is saying, think about it. Think about it. He's not a respecter of persons. The call for us to make a sacrifice and to give everything up for Jesus' sake, it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the missionary. It's not just for the Sunday school teacher. It's not just for the worship leader. It is for all of us. So all of us have to examine our hearts and think, Lord, is there something that you're calling me to give up? And it may be a good thing. Is there something that's good, but it's getting in the way of me following you? Number three, Christ is the model. When it comes to discipleship, Christ is the model disciple. Dare I say that? I want you to see this. Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, Son of Man, the title Son of Man has its roots in the book of Ezekiel, where the prophet Ezekiel is referred to as the Son of Man. So when we see Son of Man, we should naturally think about Ezekiel. And Jesus is referring to himself perhaps as one like the prophet Ezekiel. But secondly, we see son of man in the book of Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. And it identifies Jesus as the Messiah. It identifies the son of man as the one whom all the nations would come and 
serve him, that he would have an everlasting dominion. That's the title, son of man. Ezekiel reference, Daniel 7 verse 13 reference shows us that he is the Messiah. John 3, when Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus, he refers to himself as the son of man to show that he descended from heaven and came down. And this is the application of our text here. That when Jesus says the son of man, he is referring to the scribe and saying that, do you even know where I came from? I came from heaven. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the perfect leader. He's not asking anyone to do something that he himself did not do. So when you think about who gave it all up, who made the greater sacrifice, who is the model disciple, it's the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill the Father's will. He gave himself up. Took the form of a servant. Became one like you and me. So that he would obey the Father's will. So that he would do what God wanted him to do. He is the model disciple. We don't need to look any further. Who's our example? And how we ought to follow God. And how we ought to serve God. And if there is any sacrifice too great for God. Jesus says, no! There's no sacrifice too great for my father. There's no sacrifice too great for my God. Last one. Christ-centered discipleship values the spiritual more than the physical. Verse 21. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me to first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury the dead. The commentaries, they disagree. They don't know whether this man's father had already died or if he was still alive. And Jesus is not saying that parents are not important. Matthew 15, he affirms what the Torah, what Moses teaches concerning a children's responsibility to honor their, their parents. Jesus is basically saying, listen. The physical dead cannot bury the physical dead. If you're physically dead, 
You can't bury someone who's also physically dead. But if you're spiritually dead, you can bury the physical dead. And that's basically Jesus' response. It's like, brother, if you had considered the depth of your spiritual depravity, you would not be focusing on the physical death of your dad. You would first just see your need for me. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You would see your need for me. You would not be thinking about the world system and the responsibilities that you may have. You would just first know that you are spiritually depraved and you need me. Whatever it is that you have to do to follow me and receive me, you will do. So the spiritual always over the, the physical. Because here Jesus is saying don't worry about your dead dad. Follow. Follow me. So as you think through your life this week, do you value the spiritual more than the physical? And here's the simple test. When you start your day and you got your checklist and you're thinking of all the things that you have to do, do you look to God for strength? Do you go to God in prayer? Do you know that this list is not about you? This job is not about you? That there is a greater purpose behind you rising up at 9 o'clock, 8, 7 o'clock in the morning to do what you have to do? Do you look to God first? Do you look to see, Christ, how can I serve you here? Do you look to God for spiritual strength instead of always focusing about our physical strength. Just consider one hour working out, how much time in prayer in, in the word. All of these things show, do we value the spiritual more than the physical? And Jesus, if you're going to be a true follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, he wants you to value the spiritual more than the physical. So we've been to Jesus' school of discipleship, and we've learned that Christ values quantity, quality over quantity. We've come to understand that Jesus, when it comes to discipleship, calls everyone, calls all followers to make sacrifices to follow him. We've seen Jesus as the model disciple, the one, to, the one whom we look to in terms of how we can serve our God better. We've learned that Christ values the spiritual more than the physical. So to wrap things up, I want to do what John Piper does so well. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. That's true, right? That's a true statement. That's a biblical, a biblical statement. I remember the play Fences. Who, who saw James Earl Jones play the role that 
uh, Denzel Washington played. And there's a scene where a father is speaking with the son. And the son asked the father, and I prefer James Earl Jones, do you like me? The father goes, what kind of dumb question is that, boy? Like, do you have clothes on your back? Do you have a place to lay your head? Do you have food on the table? And the boy is somewhat smiling and going like, well, is it because you like me? It's like, no, boy. It's my duty. It's my job. That's what I, as a father, that's what we're supposed to do. That but no joy to the boy. Huh? The boy, the boy was just like, he doesn't love me. All of these sacrifices, it's not because he cares for me. It's simply because that's his job. That's what he's supposed to do. I graduated from the Master's Seminary in 2008 and got engaged. And we were married in November 2009. I needed a job to care for my wife. And I got a job as a detention service officer. I hated that job. Every morning, you know, sometimes I'd, have a, I'd work a shift 6 a.m. to 2 in the afternoon. And these kids in the jail, I mean, they're gangbangers. And I didn't have any issues with them. I just had issues with the staff. Like, the way to handle them is not to be gangbangers ourselves. <laughs> I hated that job. But every morning I got up, just like, I need to go to this job. I need to love this job. I need to be joyful about this job. Why? This job puts food on the table for Nicole. I love Nicole. Nicole is carrying a baby. I need to care for that baby. So my attitude about the sacrifice that I had to make to go and be a detention service officer changed when I considered for whom I was making that sacrifice. So if you truly know Jesus Christ and to know him is to love him, is to serve him, there is no sacrifice too great, though it may be hard. You will have joy as you sacrifice for your Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. God bless you. I love you all. You have been listening to Baltimore Bible Church. To hear other messages or to find out about upcoming events and where we meet for weekly church services, please visit us online at www.baltimorebiblechurch.org. Baltimore Bible Church reserves all copyright protection under applicable law. Our copyright policy is available on our website and includes instructions for and limitations on duplicating all printed media, CDs, and digital files.